Hey, so welcome back, EOS Nation. There's a little pun there. Uh, this is Ash Oro, and we're here with a live EOS radio at Anarchapoco 2019. Uh, here joined, as always, with my co-host and brother, Zane. Hey, Zane, how you doing? Doing great, Ash. Super excited to be here in a special format. So it's been a great conference so far. It's, I think it's day four right now. Yeah, thanks. T- tons of great presentations, and we've run into a nice crypto crew, so we just had to invite these guys on. So let's uh, see who we're dealing with and get into some nice uh, conference updates and what's going on. No doubt. Who we got today? Right on. So my name is uh, Stefan Dussault. I'm with EOS Nation, one of the founders of EOS Nation. And up. at EOS Nation, my role has been to foster the ambassador program. So I'm helping volunteers all over the world that are passionate about educating their local communities about EOS. And that's been my role for the past uh, 11 months. And it's been absolutely fantastic. It's my first year at Anarchapoco. Um, I got introduced to this whole anarchy scene through crypto. And uh, I've been absolutely blown away this week. ton of great presentations, including yours, Ash. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it, it's been a fantastic experience. And your first time on EOS Radio. First time on EOS Radio as ah, well. Oh, well, bienvenido. Welcome. And, and second time on the show. Who's this? Second time. Daniel Keys. thanks again for, uh, for having me back. Always, always good to chat. Uh, I'm also with EOS Nation, co-founder COO. Uh, this is my second time in Anarchopoco. Um, I, I find it always really inspiring to come here, being surrounded with, uh, you know, the spirit of liberty, so many entrepreneurs. Uh, in fact, when I was here a year ago, I was working for a bank uh, in a very comfortable job, paid well, good benefits, uh, but not nearly as uh, feeling as nearly as meaningful as, as the work I'm doing now. And, and I would say, uh, and probably this conference has a lot to, to credit for, uh, inspiring me to kind of take that leap in, in uh, you know, building, building towards freedom, uh, taking that, you know, getting, stepping outside of my comfort zone, giving up that comfort for, for that meaning. And I uh, couldn't be happier. No doubt. Well, welcome back. Luke Stokes. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? <laughs> what up? Hey, this ain't your first time at uh, Anarchapoco. No, actually, yeah, it's my second year. Uh, so actually, I was thinking about this the other day. So last year I came here and that in, in 2018, I was thinking about selling my business and I was kind of exploring that in the beginning of 2018 and I ended up doing it and I signed the papers to sell Foxycart back to my business partner here at this conference in the that. hotel room. Yeah, I actually I signed that. the papers. Yeah. And so this is my second year here. This is an amazing conference. Uh, just the most incredible free thinkers on the planet you're going to find right here. People that are, are exploring all kinds of ways to increase freedom in the world, increase human well-being in the world. And uh, it's just, I love this conference. And it took me a couple of years to be able to come. You know, I was like, I always conflicted with another thing I was involved in. But uh, yeah, so this past year, 2018, I've been involved in uh, continuing to be a STEAM witness. Uh, I'm also with EOS DAC. We're building decentralized autonomous community technology, which I, I'm excited to talk about because that actually, we did a, a conference here, a workshop actually with the Seasteading guys. And we, mm. we introduced the DAC concept to them oh, and the people it. there. And it was super cool to hear them just immediately go, oh yeah, oh totally. This is how we're going to do governance on our Seasteads, you know? Yeah, I think that's it was great. super badass. Uh, and now also just recently working with the DAPIX and the FIO protocol as well. Mm. I've had some amazing meetings here with people just telling them how you're gonna, we're going to make cryptocurrency easier to use and people are just all excited to hear about that. So I definitely want to come back to the DAPIX topic here in a minute, but I'll give Zainus a chance to chat. This isn't your first year at Anarchapoco either. How long have you been here and why do you come here? Uh, I think this is year three for me. Yeah. I, I missed the first one, but I've been to everyone since then. I mean, I, I come for the community, and I know lots of new newcomers want to come to see everyone present. But over the years, as you meet more and more people, your circle grows, and it's just a very specific type of person you meet here. I mean, instead of one person, there's hundreds of them. So it's just 
a great reason for everybody to get together, a great location. It's not expensive. Yeah. Food, just, everything's great about it. And, and, and Mexico's like America's playground, you know, like the U- United States playground. It's always great to come out, I guess, in Canada as well. You guys are like USA Light up there. But <laughs> it's, it's always nice to come down here to Mexico. We're staying at the Princess. It's a very nice resort. It's really great. I, I want to give a shout out to the Crypto Show. Uh, letting us use your rig here to host EOS Radio, that that really means a lot. So uh, Crypto Show, guys, thank you so much. I, I've been on the Crypto Show uh, several times before, and if you're not familiar with them, check them out. They're a very high-quality show that's been around for a very long time and very integrated into the Dash community. Uh, so they are sponsored by the Dash community. You know, Dash was – let's talk about Dash for a minute, shall we? Dash was the first cryptocurrency community – that I knew of that had some level of governance and some level of worker proposal, or as I call voluntary inflation. Did any of you guys keep up with Dash back in the day? It was one of my first introductions to crypto. And mm. when I learned about this voluntarily uh, financed system, yeah. I thought, wow, that's going to be unstoppable. That's going to be really powerful. And it was one of the, the for my first forays into crypto. And... Um, yeah, and I've, and I've seen, I've talked to the guys out here, and it's been uh, re- really good. Yeah, you know, they, they introduced, to my knowledge, the, the whole concept of uh, voting. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't as familiar with Steam. Well, B- BitShares had it as well. Yeah, BitShares right. had a worker proposal system, and right. there's been other similar ones. Uh, actually, I think the first time I actually, well, no, I probably had it before then, but I remember owning Dash, meeting Paul Pui in the Edge Wallet here at, at last year right. at this conference. And, yeah. you know, oh, let me send you some Dash, you know, as I installed the wallet. But I, yeah, I love the idea that you can have on-chain governance. This is something that proof of work, I think, was missing just a little bit. And having that on-chain governance creates a situation where the community that actually benefits from the value created gets to actually participate in where that value goes and what do we do with that and what projects are we going to work on that are going to create more value. And it's just a beautiful thing. And, and I, you know, I'm, I hope EOS gets back to its original roots a little bit and uses that 4% for something right. you know, along those same lines. And I... Uh, I think Dash is a great example. I actually got interested in Smart Cash as well. They're represented here as well, mm-hmm. sponsoring a lot of stuff because they, they had a similar model and they were using that money to help people in Venezuela. You know, that projects helping people in Venezuela, helping people that really needed cryptocurrency more than anyone. Mm-hmm. And I was excited uh, at this conference. I paid for my lunch with a smart card. I got it right. in my wallet. You know, it's, it's a little yeah. card with a pin code and boom, you just buy lunch with it. So I, I have an anarchist question for all of you. Ryan Betham from EOS42, has uh, I've been chatting with him while I've been here. And he assumed that the worker proposal system in, uh, in EOS was anti-anarchy, okay? Because he had seen so many people who consider themselves anarcho-capitalists or ANCAPs come out against the worker proposal system. I guess, you know, Luke, I'll throw it to you. Is the worker proposal system out of uh, consistency with anarchy? Well, first, I'd say we don't have one. So, well, okay, okay. Well, we, well we've got us. If we had one, and we could yeah. just find what it would look like, then you know, I. So, I'll go with what I know. I think, uh, like BitShares is an example. They have a committee that gets voted in by token holders to decide what. The, and you could use Steam as an example as well. Just proof of brain. This idea that we have this voluntary inflation that's happening. We've got this, you know, money that's the blockchain is created, and it doesn't all have to go to the block producer. So, okay, so we have this extra money that we can we can you know, legitimately have its value in the community. Is it okay to use that value to increase everyone else, everyone's value in the community? And, and how, if we say yes, then how are we going to do that? 
And if you know about Sybil attacks, this idea that if you can just, you know, have a whole bunch of accounts and you have more influence than you should, that's a problem. So the only way I know of around that is stake weighted vote. And so the tokens, if you have more tokens, you have more skin in the game, you have more to lose if it all goes to zero. So from that perspective, I think, you know, stake weighted token vote to say, here's how we're going to spend that value to create more value makes sense. Now, the larger issue of whether or not you can just actually create value out of nothing, which is, I think, a lot of the concerns people have when they hear the word inflation, uh, it's valid. But the way I come back to that is say, this is what the central bankers have been doing forever. Mm. They create money out of nothing and it runs the entire world. Right. That power exists in the world. Value is a shared story that we all tell ourselves. And so it's just a matter of, do we want to take that power back for ourselves or continue to let the government and the central bankers of the world use that power to dominate us? So if that power exists and like us around this table could just create a token, believe it's real, and then start buying each other beers with it, then it would be real and it would actually work as a currency. And without the use of force. You know? That's exactly the main point. Right. If it's voluntary, then I'm all about it. Right, right. Because uh, currently, you know, the, the, when people typically think of inflation, I agree, you know, inflation is a, is a form of tax. Um, and the inflation that most people are used to is an inflation that we have no control of and no opportunity to opt out of. Uh, EOS is a completely voluntary system. Uh, you participate in it voluntarily. And the stakeholders have a say in what the rules are and, and you know, what that inflation rate is and how it's being used. Um, so I don't think it's inconsistent with the ideals of, of anarchy or liberty uh, in, in the case of, of EOS where we have this voluntary system. Mm. So Zane, why do you think that people who aren't necessarily attuned to the anarcho-capitalist framework would think that, would make the conclusion that the worker proposal system in EOS may be inconsistent with NCAP thought, or, or at least why they see most NCAPs um, not really buying into or supportive of the worker proposal system? Well, I think there's a certain amount of misunderstanding in the beginning of just what the heck EOS was supposed to be. And I think people come from a background, almost all of us come from a background of, well, we're in a system and we can't really get out of it. So we see these rules starting to form in front of us and we never think we can always leave. And that for me is the delineating point where well, we can sell all of our EOS tokens and just join the next community. I mean, that for me defines voluntary versus you know, force-based like state-used currency. Like we, we, have to hold, we have to hold currency to pay our bills. Yeah. We have to hold fiat. But so. nobody's forcing you into this. Right. EOS is different because right. you know, we've decided to buy, decided to sell. Right. You know, we can walk in and out, walk out of our chosen communities, which is the beautiful part of it. But I think once people are in this and in their minds, they've already dedicated to EOS. So they, I think they just may forget that they walked in voluntarily and they don't have to stay because they're so passionate about right. what it could be. And maybe when a rule doesn't go quite their way, it might fork to the left when they want to go right or forks up and wants to go down to get rid of the left-right paradigm stigma. I, I think maybe that's what kind of kind of traps them into a certain mind state but to always remember that you have the choice to totally leave and lucky for us there's several eos io chains yeah that we can have multiple experiments running in parallel and influence things how we see yeah and i think that when people aren't really bought into or understand the framework of anarcho-capitalism they they mistake the difference between morality which is the force based part of it and the economics aspect, which is, I think, why ANCAPs typically don't want a, a 4% free-flowing worker proposal system. But it, the economics aspect of it is still completely voluntary. It's just we, we understand the causes, what, call, what inflation causes. 
And so it has nothing to do with the foundation of anarchy, which is just simply said, no rulers, peace, and the economics aspect, specifically the Austrian economics aspect, which keeps us uh, on our toes about the usage and inflation. Now, I think this is a very nuanced type of difference that people that may not necessarily understand. I think there's another piece to it as well in that when you think about anarchism, it's, it's the individual. You know, there was a great talk by Giotto Griffin about, you know, collectivism versus individualism is this age old argument. And, and we give it all these labels and we call it left versus right. We call it, you know, all these different things, Democrat, Republican, whatever, but it's, it's just collectivism versus individualism. And so I think one of the com- concerns about a pool of money that people can, you know, take money, take out of is who gets to govern the pool of money and what systems are we going to implement to, you know, control that shared collaborative, you know, commons, that, that money that we all have some stake in. And whatever system we put in place, if it starts to look like government, you know, if somebody starts to get upset, yeah. hey, you stole my property because I have stake in that. It should have gone this way, not that way. And we start to have our individual will overruled by a collective, right. then immediately you get people's alarm bells going off. Sure. Going, Whoa, every time that happens, the guns come next, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't want this. Right? And, and, it's, it, it, because, and Ryan was talking, he was like, he was asking, well, isn't this socialism? Isn't this shared pool of resources socialism? And I was like, Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. The, the marketplace welcomes socialism as an experimentation. Right. right. You can't have anarchy in a socialist society, but you can have socialism in an anarchist society. You can absolutely, we can, you know, experiment with all the different forms of governance. Yeah. And, and that's and that, one of the beauties should, of an open system. That is, should tell people something. I, I saw on Twitter just yesterday. It's amazing how much socialist content is created in a capitalist society but almost no capitalist content is ever allowed to be created in a socialist society. That's right. So, uh, well, well, anyways, we, we've got Colin here. Hey, Colin hey talks guys. crypto. What's up, man? Entrance here, but having a blast at Anarchapoco. Yeah. So, I can't hear what you guys are hearing, but yeah, I'm sure I'm not missing it. Well, well, just introduce yourself real quick. And, yeah. and the camera's right over there. I oh, think yeah, you've got no a problem. tough seat here. You might need to scoot over to yeah, your right a little bit. You can okay. see us right up here as well. You got some booms in your face, oh, but that's okay. We're yeah. eating here. Yeah. Hey guys, so this Boom is Colin. Shuffle. I'm Colin with Colin Talks Crypto. I do a little EOS mega update periodically. You may have seen me on that. And obviously a huge fan of EOS. I love all these guys here. This is the first time to meet a lot of you. Ash, thanks for having me on yes, here. Yes, sir. Well, welcome. Your first time on EOS radio as well. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, that's great. Um, so we're just talking about free flowing today. Anything about like uh, what brought you to Anarchapoco? Ah, uh, beautiful weather, and we did some tuna fishing yesterday. All right, and, but but more than that, really the people meeting all like you guys. This moment right here, I met crypto news earlier. Just the most, the the most people I've ever met in crypto in one place at one time. Just an awesome experience. Yeah, no, it's it's been wonderful here, and EOS is I think now nobody's going to believe me out in the audience, but I think EOS may be the most like the the largest supported public smart contract blockchain here and i'm talking you know uh, ethereum and neo or uh, whatever is out there these days ethereum classic uh what what why do you think that is why i mean and maybe you yeah and maybe you haven't heard that but i was talking to some ethereum guys i was hanging out with some ethereum guys down on the beach today and they were like we can't believe how many eos people we've met here we almost never met a single eos person in our life and we come here and we think it may be the best represented blockchain. I, I definitely feel the excitement. Like I've been having chats in the bars and things like that. And 
people would overhear me talk about EOS or that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm here with EOS Nation, I'm a block producer, and people's ears would go, oh, you, can, mind if I join this conversation? And, and suddenly I've got a, a big circle of people around me asking me questions about EOS and, um, you know, trying to, you know, there's a lot of FUD out there, as I'm sure you all know. So they're, they're you know, asking me questions about the FUD and um, excited about the potential. Everyone's heard about EOS and that it's, you know, maybe the the only blockchain out there that's capable of of building decentralized apps that people will actually want to use uh and that's what got me excited about it i was already excited about eos when i came here last year only getting more and more excited about it as as i dive dive deeper into it and i think people are getting fed up you know they've they've ethereum has had its chance to uh to serve that role as as the decentralized app platform there's an alternative that's starting to show that it's capable of serving that need. And, and I think people are, are hungry for that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. we got a, got a huge crowd audience watching right now, folks. I think one of the biggest things about you is that like talking to Michael Yates, when he decided, you know, he, when he was looking at building decentralized autonomous communities and softwares to support DAX, EOS's ability to modify contracts, you know, nobody wants a bug that causes $130 million to just be, disappear. Right. And he did a great, uh, great post uh, a couple weeks ago about preventing the DAO. And it just talked through how our contracts for EOS DAC and other projects are, you know, they can be modified. And not only that, they're actually controlled in a decentralized way. So we have elected trusted custodians that have the permissions on the actual contracts themselves. Mm. So from that perspective, you don't have to know there's just the one dude with a private key and we hope he doesn't get hit by a bus. Right. Like in this Quadriga. terrible situation or uh, is a scammer and he's just going to roll away with all your tokens or, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, you're trusting a token contract, but that guy, could, somebody could just roll in and be like, oh, there was a billion tokens yesterday. Guess what? Today's two billion mm. and my buddy gets half, you right. know, <laughs> like, so, so I've actually got a developer question about that. Zane and I were talking about this earlier. Two scenarios here. I launch a smart contract onto Ethereum versus I launch a smart contract on EOS. What do I, the developer, the person who launched the smart contract, need to do to update that contract on both blockchains, Luke? I, I don't know as much about Ethereum, but I do know, for example, uh, the other day I was trying to, or actually last year, I was trying to send some substratum and it just failed. And I go look on the blockchain and it's like 12 hours of failures. I'm like, okay. And I go and I look on their website, no information I could find. I missed it. It was there. I just couldn't find it. And I go into their telegram. I'm like, what's going on, guys? I'm like, oh, yeah, we just changed the contract. So my understanding is they just point to a different address and everybody just needs to get to so launch memo, a new contract, essentially. Yeah, so that old contract is just out there now, kind of dead weight floating around. Yeah. And so you have to go into your MU and all everything and just change the address. And so that's obviously, you can imagine, pretty scary. Like yeah, you put yeah. the wrong address in, you lost your crypto, right? Sure. And EOS, it's literally just set contract. And it's just, like they would have a lot of rubbish on the, uh, on the Ethereum blockchain then with all these contracts that people have needed to deploy new contracts to update them. Yeah. But these old contracts, you can still interact with, can't you? They're, they're just not going to do what you think? Well, in this case, I mean, they, they, they developed it to fail at a certain point. I haven't, in that oh, right, specific okay. example I haven't looked to, I'll talk about one I do know, uh, EOSTack. So we launched EOSTack as a token on Ethereum in April, and it was in the code and actually pointed to the exact line so people know this is for real. There was an exact timestamp date where that token would not be transferable ever again. Mm -hmm. From that moment on, you couldn't move the token. Right. So even now people come into our telegram like a year later, like, Hey, I've got, you know, some meal stack on Ethereum. How do mm. I, how do I use it? And they're like, you can't, it's right. a worthless, valueless token that is just there. Um, 
but with, you know, with EOS, we can modify those things. We can change things as we need to. And at the same time, which I like is we can also create the Ethereum model. So for example, in EOS right. DAC, we've got a, uh, a, a DAC, um, an escrow account right. that is part of our system. And that escrow account has its keys nulled out. It's a set of code that you cannot modify. And that's on purpose so you because, got the flexibility. yeah, it's a two yeah. of three multi-sig between the DAC, the worker, and whatever arbitrator or expert that the DAC and worker agreed to for that worker proposal. And from that situation, you wouldn't want the custodians to come in and just set code and change that code because that was the whole point. You know, they weren't, they weren't supposed to be able to. And that was the trust that the worker had that they were actually going to get paid when they do the work. Mm -hmm. So you have that ability. And again, what do we do if there's a bug in that? Well, thankfully, there's only going to be a little amount of money, a little amount of money in there just for the active worker proposals in that moment. And then we'll do the same thing with Ethereum. We'll just set a different address, update our contracts to point to that instead, and it would all work. Exactly. I think that's a really important point. Like one point that uh, an EOS hater could attack would say, oh, well, the smart contracts aren't immutable. But they are immutable, and they can be immutable. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. You have a choice. By default, you can have multi-sig changes to the smart contract, or you can choose for it to be immutable, just like Ethereum. Yeah. Or, or even cooler, you can have like time delays as part of your permissions mechanism. Right. Like so when EOS, yeah, I keep bringing this up just because I'm familiar with, but when EOS DAC, when you do a code-based transfer, it's a threshold of two on, on the permission system. So if the custodians get together and do it, then that's a two. You know, that's fine because you got a bunch of people involved. But if the code does it, that's only a one. And then there's a 60-minute delay that is also a one. Yeah. So if the code's ever going to transfer funds that are owned by the DAC, you get at least 60 minutes to see it and go, oh, dang. You know, like, so we won't have a DAO moment because if somebody tried to, if they found a bug in the code and they got, they tricked the code into draining the funds of the DAC and we have, you know, watchers that are just watching the chain to, for those deferred transactions, we just be like, cancel that thing. Let's fix it. Yeah. Mm. You know, I, I think it may have been EOS Weekly or maybe it was someone else on a Medium article, but they, in the recent, uh, what happened with poker, the P-O-K-E-R coin, uh, where the, the main dev was also the main person who in, invested in the project. And he ran off with pretty much their entire stack. Well, I, I think I, I don't, well, what I heard was he was just like, it was a business. It didn't work out. And hey, I'm not going to do it anymore. Sure. So I don't know that it was necessarily malicious. I might be wrong about that. Right. That was what I heard. Uh, but they're now going to make it a DAC. I actually just got yeah, a message today. To make they, it a DAC. they took a snapshot on poker EOS DAC members, by the way. So if you got EOS DAC tokens and you became a member, you're going to get some poker tokens. Yeah, no, cool. you know, I think that's great. Very cool. Yeah, but the, the, yeah, so it was his project. It was his money. He didn't want to do it anymore, and he extracted the goods. And he didn't steal anybody's money, right? Yeah, he didn't steal anybody's money directly, right? But since there were token holders. Now there people got screwed because right. they're now now it's not direct property theft, but and I'm not saying that anybody is obligated to run any type of business that has token holders forever and try to give them their share of the dividends of revenue. But somebody wrote something the other day, again, I'm not even EOS Weekly, but where block producer that DAP developers could enter into multi-sigs with with third parties, let's just say block producers, and that would give uh, more trust, let's say, to the token holders like me, a poker token holder. So that would give me more confidence in a business. Has anybody heard about that or anybody have any, any comments on that? I, I'd like to come back to, to that concept. And when I was explaining EOS to, to people who are new to the scene, I would use Chintai as a great example hmm. of using that multi-signature uh, distributed among many trusted parties to secure those funds. 
And people were just blown away by that concept. They didn't even know that was possible on EOS. And these were people that held EOS that were coming to our booth at a Salon de la Crypto in Montreal asking questions. And, and you know, they were, just that, they were just really blown away by that. So that's definitely uh, something that I think we could see a lot more of in the future. And with the poker situation, I think it's a, a, a situation where expectations were maybe um, disappointed, right? Like people thought this would go forever or right. until they go to zero or whatever. Whereas the devs, or we get a heads up or something. Yeah, right. or get a heads up or something. Whereas the devs, they just saw it as a business, right? And they're like, "Hey, it we changed. don't think this business is profitable anymore. Right. We have some funds. Instead of letting it go to the zero, you know, they cash out and right. I don't know, move on to their next project." Or yeah, I, I don't think it's it was a breach against property rights at all, but it, it we're entering a very interesting space because if uh, if a, a legacy company was going to be wound up because of bankruptcy, well, the shareholders would know about this and there would be information spread out amongst all the, the board and the shareholders, stuff like that. But now since we're in a position where an entire, let's just call it a crypto corporation, not a governmental corporation, but a crypto DAP could be owned by one person that owns the private keys and they could get their property and get out of town within, you know, a couple seconds. It's a, it's, it's a fast space. Yeah. Yeah. We're still in a world where, you have to take responsibility over the investments you make, you know, investing in, I think in any project in the early stages, like I'm sure a lot of it, it's a, it's a horrible situation to, to be left kind of holding this, this worthless bag. But uh, you know, when you're investing in early projects, there's definitely a large risk and, and that's obviously something that, that uh, might, might happen. And, and as uh, the space matures, we'll see less of these small exactly. projects get all this attention. Right, like these casinos that popped up on EOS, it was the first really project, first use case, mm. and so people were just, oh, hey, there's something here. A lot of attention yep. uh, went into it, and a lot of projects that probably shouldn't have gotten a lot of support got a lot of support and investments, and and I think that's just a, a function of the the youth of our network. Yeah, and the excitement to have actual businesses. Yeah, that's yeah. part of the evolution of the space too. We have to let these things kind of rise and fail. You know, this is the problem we have with the traditional system is that. You know, bad systems, bad actors, bad companies don't have the opportunity to fail as they should. And then we get malinvestment and we get all these different situations that cause boom and bust cycles that are, that are not healthy. So I, I think it, it's a good thing uh, in terms of like next time they're going to be more careful, right? Next yeah. time they're like, wait, 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 what's the deal behind this? You know, are you a DAC maybe right, instead right. of just a simple company? Are you, do you have a multi-sig on your permission set? Is right. it, you have multiple devs or just one dude? Did you build a community or right. did you build a startup? So I'm right. going to always be preaching, let's build more communities. So like if we lose it, like I'm here, like I'm not helping EOS DAC right now. I'm here at a conference, but I know that team is doing awesome because it's decentralized and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I I'm see not you a, out there shaking hands and kissing babies. <laughs> <laughs> And one of the things I like about the space, love so much, is is anyone can participate. So we got everyone and their mothers, you know, getting opportunities to invest in things that they would have not had that opportunity in in the traditional market. At the same time, anyone can participate, and that's you know that's a risk. We've got people who have no no investment experience, put it probably investing way more than they should. Um, so there's, there's a, you know, we got to help each other get educated and, uh, and, you know, it's, it's an interesting new problem that we face where it's great. Everyone has a chance to participate, but at the same time, that means taking responsibility. Yeah. So, so Zane, coming back to you, compare what we're talking about, how people are doing more due diligence on the tokens they buy now, where we have a higher standard of requirements 
Uh, are you multi-sig? I mean, uh, what other blockchain is even asking these questions, first off? We'll, we'll get back to permissions in just a second. But compare and contrast the, the type of diligence, the amount of diligence you would do right now before you bought, say, an ICO token compared to back in maybe August or September of 2017? Well, I mean, if you're going back to 2017, I mean, you, you would go into any random Facebook group, Telegram group, and you would just hear about this brand new project. You know, it didn't have to prove itself. There's lots of buzz. Everyone was talking about it. So you felt kind of comfortable because everyone you were talking to was excited about it. The team seemed legitimate enough. They had a website. Yeah, they had, they had <laughs> half a white paper. Like World of Tanks. Yeah. White paper copied from other white papers. But you know. well, yeah. Are we talking about Tron? No. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. as, so back then in 2017, everyone felt like, well, of course this tech's going to be adopted. I mean, we got a lot of money, a lot of guys, right? People are just going to come out with successful projects. I mean, we read through the papers, sound really good. But now, after we've had a full year of a bear market, and people are starting to realize even big, big name blockchains are laying off people. Projects aren't coming through like we thought they would. Everyone's expectations are coming back down to earth. I and mean, it's no more moons. It's, I don't know. We're just not watching the price nearly as much now. <laughs> so now it's like, okay, no, we're not looking at the price. We're looking at teams. What have they done before? Who was Dan Larimer again? You know, it's like, wait, hold on. Who's done something before? So I definitely look for people that have done something in the space, at least have some type of experience, have more than one or two men on the team. Some of the, actually, I mean, some of the most basic things you look for, like what's their current price at? How many tokens are they keeping to themselves versus how many did the community get? Is it distributed at all? Like what's, what's their mission as a team? Like do they want a widespread or do they want to be more of a private type thing? So it's just, I mean, you could go down a laundry list of things, yeah. but People are starting to understand you just can't throw money at the ball because most of it's not going to stick now. And, and it's like, do they actually need a blockchain? And what's the specific purpose of a blockchain? Right. And do they need a token? Right. right. Even if you need a blockchain, you may not need a token. So, mm -hmm. I mean, just looking at why people need tokens. Is that, nobody was asking that back. I was mm -hmm. asking that back in the day. Mm -hmm. But not a lot of people were asking that. Like, oh, you say you're a blockchain project? Well, A, duh, you're needed because blockchain yeah. and B duh you need a token because blockchain blockchain makes it better baby. oh you're a pot startup on that's the blockchain uh, definitely yeah. going to the moon yeah yeah <laughs> I, we, uh, uncle rico came out here with his uh stake and i think we took all of his chairs but uh dan <laughs> we appreciate you letting us use the rig here it's nothing like no like steak it's just steak and beer all right uh not not me yeah, <laughs> there's Danny. Danny's meat spit on all of the uh, all the mics around here. Um, Great guy. So that no, we appreciate hell of a dancer too. We were at oh, the yeah? decentralized dance party the other night. It was a good time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, well, maybe Danny can poke his head. And... That's D right. D DDP Diamond Dallas DDP, Page. That's right. That's right. Old, old school WWE <laughs> reference. Luke, what type of advantage? does EOSIO and all the communities it represents have over the other types of smart contract blockchains specifically because of how our permissions are structured? Wow, we, we touched on a, a bunch of that already. It's really just the idea that you have flexibility to do things in multitudes of ways. So let's say you want to have you know, a contract that's locked down and if I want to sign any transaction based on that contract or transfer tokens out of that wallet, however I want to do it, I might have to sign a message with my phone, sign a message with my laptop, and then go grab, you know, my wife's laptop and sign a message. And I might have three private keys on that permission to do anything. Right. Now, 
I could also create, for example, a special permission. And I, I assume, uh, you know, Yoast Nation's probably done this just for claiming my rewards as a block producer. Mm-hmm. So that's not my active key. That's not my owner key. That's just a unique key specifically to claim rewards. And, and that's you, all And you basically create these keys, apply them to your account, and you whitelist specific transactions that that key has permissions to execute? Specific actions. So oh, okay. in, in the actual smart contract code, you can say, okay, this thing, we're going to only allow, you know, so I was mentioning earlier how we have that 60 minute delay. That's mm. specifically on a, a permission we called expert. And it's what it means is a transfer of the, of the tokens out of this contract. So you can start naming things within your smart contract and then setting up permissions for those. And then, as I said, you can have a time delay, you can have a multi-sig, so it's a bunch of different accounts, or you could have uh, you know, multiple actual private keys, or you could do some combination of all of them. Y'all making faces at somebody over here. No, it's, it's <laughs> Sterling Lujan. I mean, it's Cecilia <laughs> Lujan up there. Right. Just, I think uh, what this all summarizes into is one word. It's utility. Like that mm. is the answer to the question of what makes EOS, in my opinion, superior to every other blockchain out there that I'm seeing right now. It's utility, multi-sig, and this deep, deep complexity with which you can secure an account. Permissions is one facet of utility. Um, Half-second block times is one, one, one of many as- facets of utility. Uh, we have now the referendums, the ability to on-chain change things like the constitution or aspects of EOS in a dramatic way and it's all decentralized and these are all qualities. We have 12 character account names like the ENS, instant transactions like Dash Instant Send. We have all these features. It's utility. That is why EOS is light years ahead of everything else. EOS today is where Ethereum's trying to go in two years from now. Mm. And, and why do you think so many people, this is just lost on them? It's like, why is EOS still the best kept secret in all of crypto? Well, I think it's gaining traction so fast. That's why we are where we are after eight months. Mm. I mean, let's look back in one more year and probably EOS is going to be up there closer to Ethereum market cap. And in two years, I could see EOS surpassing Ethereum market cap. And we have to give it a little time, but it's doing amazing already. It takes some time for ideas to just traverse Mm. through different people. Mm -hmm. I think seeing is believing and it's going to take some time for you know, the real dApps to come online that are capable of bringing mass adoption, the, the type of dApps, you know, that I expect that we'll probably see come from block one, like their social network that are probably to the average person will be able to interact with this thing, not know that it's on a blockchain. Uh, that's, you know, what's going to make the difference. People are going to see that and say, wait a second, this is a blockchain. They might not even say that, but gonna, it's going to bring the users. Um, And, you know, we can talk about how there's no fees and, you know, the token economics of of EOS and how it's more like owning real estate than than it is like gas. And, uh, you know, it sounds cool for us economic nerds and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But until you actually see it in action, I don't think it really... Uh, it drives home for the for the average person. The, the yeah. ease of use is really really um, amazing. For example, there is a workshop here about how to do a multi-sig on Bitcoin. It's a paid workshop. Take took hours, right? I, di- I didn't go to it, but it was just like wow. Like I, I learned multi-sig, you know, on EOS through our EOS Nation accounts. We set up a few multi-sig. Super easy. Yeah. Super quick and very practical. So to get to your question about why people aren't on board with this, I, I asked the same question with BitShares and with Steam and then with EOS. And yeah. I think, you know, what is the common denominator? Well, Stan Lamerns and also delegated proof of stake. So delegated proof of stake is kind of this whole new world for a lot of people. Mm. And there are some hardcore, you know, OG Bitcoiners who are like, look, proof of work or go home, right? And that's their fundamental 
perspective on these. And then, you know, but we hear about Ethereum moving possibly to proof of stake. And, you know, people, I think, are slowly starting to open up the possibility. There's some interesting DAGs out there. So maybe even the whole blockchain, you know, paradigm will be shaken once again. So I think there's just kind of this hesitancy to be like, I don't know about that guy. Maybe Dan Lammer did some things in the past I didn't agree with, or I don't know about that technology for consensus. Maybe it's not as secure as proof of work. And the number of conversations I've had here at the conference where, you know, you hear about, oh, well, what about the centralization in, in EOS? And I go, yeah, what about those three mining pools that run most of the, you know, proof of work chains? And, and once I start talking about the 21 block producers with 100 something backups or more that are all chomping the bit to provide amazing service for the network, people start to go, oh, okay. So, it's really just, like you said, exposure. We've got to get out there more, show people what's possible, and then build cool stuff that actually improves human lives. If that's what it comes down to. If the technology doesn't impact and improve human lives, then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. Most people don't care that it's decentralized. They just want it to work better than what, they, what they're currently using. And, yeah. and that's possible on EOS, doing it decentralized. Already possible on EOS. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so interesting to see the pleasure that I have whenever I log into a new website with my Scatter account and all of a sudden, I come with me, right? right? I don't, I don't need your login. I can bring my identity. I can bring my coins. I can, you know, interact with your smart contracts. And what a pain, by the way, to create an account. I mean, on all these websites, okay, Facebook and stuff like this. Try and Google tried to give us more common global access to log in, but but still, even that, they control our data. So. The killer app on EOS, in my opinion, is the ownership of right. our our logins and of our tokens. And, you know, be gone with your sign-up process. <laughs> I remember you talking about that. I've referenced that a number of times now where it's like, you know, it's it's easier than right. the existing systems. And it, what's the meme in crypto? It's just so difficult and hard right. to use. Whereas, yeah, you log in with EOS and you can actually, you know, make a decision with that little scatter pop up, like, okay, what type of data am I about to give you? Exactly. And you can look that over and be like, yeah, okay, that's cool, you know, and you can submit it and know exactly what you're doing in each and every moment. And, and I, I love uh, the scatter guys. I think what they're doing is awesome. I'm excited about the riddle token, that potential for having all this kind of reputation. Yeah. And there, there's just a lot of cool stuff going on. And I don't even have to trust that website that I'm on because I trust scatter. Yeah. All right, we're going to pause here for a picture, guys. So. All right. Here we go. <laughs> All right, thank you. Yeah, an actual blockchain use case that makes things easier. Imagine that. Wow. Oh. And it's all moving to mobile device too. Hell There's yeah. So many, whenever, whenever the chain first launched, no one had a, I mean, a wallet they felt safe with. So over time, people are starting to realize, okay, there's been some community vetted wallets and things. And I think there's up to almost probably 10 mobile wallets now. I mean, do your due diligence, due diligence as always. Yeah, but I mean, you can log in with the Lynx wallet, pay a dollar, get an account, start cruising the, the U.S. blockchain space. I can't. So, I, I don't know how many accounts exciting. I've made in the Lynx wallet for ninety nine oh, cents. It's ridiculous. Uh, like, have you played with the new Edge uh, integration too? That's pretty cool. I've heard that's like the easiest way. I haven't done it yet. The easiest but I heard way to what? You create so, new accounts. Edge wallet, which oh. is touted by many as like the most secure mobile wallet recently. Yeah. Uh, they're now supporting creation of. EOS accounts mm. right within the wallet. You select your account name. You'll fund it with, you know, I've, let's say I've got a Bitcoin wallet in my edge. Well, I'll fund it with my existing Bitcoin. Mm. A couple of minutes, I've got a EOS account set up. Works great. Yeah. No, I, Paul Poy is a friend of mine. He's been to Anarchapoco several years, the CEO and founder of Edge. Uh, you know, th they're really nice because their mobile wallet's really nice. Uh, they are pushing the envelope on security. But they also have fiat on-ramps 
where right. you can send a bank transfer to buy crypto or you can uh, buy crypto with credit cards as well and integrated in the wallet. I'm not even getting paid for any of this, people. I'm just, I just love the wallet. <laughs> nice work, Paul. And yeah, nice work, Paul. And you can buy gift cards from within the wallet as well, which, you know, with the absolute and utter lack of utility that Bitcoin has, one thing that you can do with it is you can spend it on gift cards where you can actually spend those gift cards on something meaningful. Right. So Paul's done a great job. I'm also excited. Shout out to Paul again, because they are one of the founding uh, people involved in the FIO Foundation. Okay, tell us more about this, yes. because they're building on EOS as well. Yeah, so, so EOS IO, uh, we, so about, back in, uh, I don't know when, I was out in Denver, and we were, I was doing a, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month or so. Yeah, and I, I, so back even before that, I met, uh, I, I met the guys involved with DAPX IO, and they're building the FIO Foundation, the FIO Protocol. It's the foundation for inter-wallet operability. And essentially, in a nutshell, it's just going to mean we can all just have user-readable names for all of our cryptocurrency. And we can attach those to either a wallet or to a specific blockchain or to a specific blockchain address. And it has this kind of request functionality. So if like, hey, I need to pay you for lunch, you can request it for me with some metadata and say, hey, I want some EOS. I want some Bitcoin. I want some whatever. And I can know it came from you. So there's no man-in-mill attack where you're kind of somebody injects a different address and I pay the wrong guy. You know, I can know it's from you, cryptographically secured through the field protocol and then say, oh, okay, I'm going to send it off and now you get it. And what's super exciting about it is you can do shopping carts, you can do, you know, metadata on any chain, you can have request functionality just to make it easier. So you're not like freaking out, you send it off, and you're like, wait, wait, where'd it go? I don't see it on the block explorer. I don't see it in my wallet. What's going to happen? So getting feedback on your transactions is critically important. But then what I'm excited about too, it's going to, I think, improve the quality and user experience of the wallets themselves. Mm. Because the people that have FIO tokens in those wallets, right. every time they're using the protocol, that wallet's getting a, a bit of those fees. So right. unlike EOS, there's going to be a small bit of fees. Like, you know, there's going to be an amount to register a domain, amount to register an address, sure. and then a tiny, tiny amount every time you use it. And also what's cool about that is if you have FIO tokens in your wallet, by default, those will proxy vote towards the BP. And most of the wallets and exchanges will end up being block producers on this business to business to end user blockchain. So it, there's an incentive to build the most amazing exchange and wallet experience for the user because you're getting all those block rewards if you're right. a block producer. So what used to be a cost center, you're just putting out a wallet and you're going to hopefully monetize it someday. Right. Now, all of a sudden, is this amazing you know, way to make all this money. And, and I'm, just, I'm super excited about it because it's going to make it so my grandma and my, anybody can use crypto. You know, I have a simple name like Luke.Stokes and that'll be my wallet. Right. And, or, I can, or I can go up on stage and I can do like anarchopoco.luke.stokes and that right. can be a secret wallet that's only whitelisted to those people in the crowd who know that key, that mm. seed of anarchopoco. Mm -hmm. You know, or I could leave all my stuff private and you have to request it every time. And I'm like, yeah, that's just cool. I can send him some Bitcoin. He can know my Bitcoin address, but just that one address, no one other address, right. you know? And this other guy messaged me, hey, I want to send you money. I'm like, I don't want you to know my Bitcoin address. Right, right. I'll, I'll just you know, spin up a new subdomain wallet address yeah. for you and send it over to you real yeah. quick and I can manage them all in the same wallet. Yeah, not a scam.brd or whatever. And, what, and they are building on, so this new protocol layer, uh, it's kind of like DNS for wallet addresses. They're building on a version of EOS IO software. I, I met, uh, some of the team back several months ago at this point, they were trying to connect with the EOS people. Why do you think they're building using EOS IO? I, I would, I hope someday we can publish this, but uh, <laughs> they, they did this amazing deep dive study of all these different blockchains. And I've looked at the data, it's, it's in their, you know, in their, in their corporate files and, and it's incredible research. I mean, they looked at dozens and dozens and dozens of blockchains, deep dive on many metrics, you know, from usability to performance, to scalability, to all these different things. 
and uh, and Io Sayo came up to the top. And, and, and I'm looking at it going, this is, is anyone here surprised? <laughs> Not me. This is great content. We should, we should publish this. And, and to their credit, you know, they're like, well, we kind of don't want to make enemies of all the blockchains we're going to be yeah. working with. You know? And sometimes you don't want to let all your secrets out this early. It, it's just, it's interesting because like, uh, you know, if, if, if the whole discussion would be confused with, well, why were we three or five or 10? You know, we've got this and this and this, and it would just get a, a distraction. I think if we can, this is one of the first times I've seen a protocol idea come together where everyone in the community can support it because it's no silo. The FIA Foundation is going to be owned completely by the community itself. All the block producers, all the exchanges, all the wallets, they're going to own the foundation. They're going to govern the foundation, probably using EOS DAC technology, talk about making it a DAC. The board is going to be, and you know, every, you know, voting different people out and different people in. So I think it's going to be something we can all get behind. Instead of just one silo working for one chain, it can work for right. all the chains. Yeah, that's the power of EOS IO, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And and who would have thought that Dan Larimer was onto something back in the day with BitShares and user identifiable account names? Oh, wow. No, I'm sure he's just scamming us all. <laughs> um, well, fellas, we're running up on about an hour now. We got about 10 minutes left. What, what type of content would you, or topics would you guys like to talk about? Sure. Talk? Yeah, I'd just like to briefly touch upon the topic of FUD, US FUD. <laughs> I mean, if you guys have ever checked out cryptocurrency on Reddit, the subreddit, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about here. I mean, you post something, it will never reach the top. It will get mm. instantly downvoted. It's just US crazy. specifically. US specifically, okay, right. yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just wondering, like blown, my mind's blown about like how that's even possible because it's such an amazing cryptocurrency when you understand it. And I just want to say that while I've been here at Anarchapoco, the like 10 to 15 interactions I've had with EOS have been all positive. I've not had anyone say any weird stuff. Yeah. It's different in real life than it is on the internet. It is not the same place. Jeff Berwick touched upon this too. He said like a thousand people have threatened to punch him in the face online. And then he comes here and how many times has it happened? Zero. And so the way you combat this is education. And just think for yourself. I just like to like tell my subscribers, think for yourself, do your own research because you might just be passing up one of the greatest blockchains that's passed the earth in the past three years since the birth of Ethereum. And I know from firsthand because Ethereum was hated on heavily at its onset. Oh, and sure. I was like, oh shit, it's a shit coin. And yeah. I, I was like, and then I saw it launched. I'm like, okay, I'm buying it under a dollar. And that was the greatest single investment in crypto I've ever made. And I had to go against the herd yeah. and look at it for myself. And I see the same exact thing with EOS right now. Yeah, no doubt. I, I know that uh, Rob from Cypherglass recently created the Twitter account EOS FUD. And yeah. I and I, I think it's a it's a it's a good thing. Although I do want to be careful about just jumping out of the box too quickly and labeling things FUD. There's somebody I didn't know who this was, but there's somebody on Twitter called Box Mining. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy. He's got about fifty or sixty thousand followers and he posted some stuff up about EOS that says he was trying to play EOS Knights. He had forty four EOS staked for CPU and he, he couldn't play it anymore. And, you know, I mean, I keep up with this stuff like you guys do every day in VRAM, VCPU. But what happened was, um, I'm, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but CPU is very available right now on EOS main, the EOS main net. And so people were jumping in very quickly, hashtag EOS FUD, tagging at EOS FUD. And he, he said that, you know, I asked him some questions. I was like, how many transactions have you done? with this stake and how much would this have cost you on Ethereum? 
I was like, otherwise, this may be EOS FUD, right? And, and of course, I posted that and countless guys on Twitter jumped in with my back, you know, posting all about it. And at one point, he said, I'm actually a little bit disappointed with the EOS community because you jumped in so defensively. Right. And so what I asked our audience to do is there's two types of EOS FUD out there. Sometimes it is legitimate EOS FUD and attack away. Go ahead. But sometimes it, people are getting caught up and not understanding how the protocol works, not understanding how the staking works and the resources work, don't know how many transactions. They get excited and they're just doing a bunch of transactions. They're moving around. They've never used the blockchain before. Yeah. You know? And so they're finally able to use one and they use one for maybe several hours in a row and they don't understand that they extinguish their resources. So tr before we jump in and start attacking, like every, other, like every other blockchain community does in the world, try to use a tad of curiosity just mm -hmm. to see if these guys or girls, I don't want to be sexist here, girls are just as bad fudders as guys are, but see if, they're if it's a knowledge problem like Hayek talks about and see if they need just a little bit of hand-holding or see if we need to call in the reinforcements yeah. to go out there and get them. A little empathy, assume positive intent. Yeah, at least at it, first. At, yeah, give them, give them the benefit of the doubt at first. They'll have to jump down their throats. Yeah, and, and if they don't reply to, back to you or, or whatever, or if, they, if you're curious with them and they don't answer your questions, then yeah, okay, release, release the hounds. I've got a good friend who doesn't really believe in the DPoS concept. You know, he's all proof of work. And then he keeps sending me these articles, fud articles about EOS. Hey, what about this? What about this? And in every single one, there's inaccuracies. I'm like, okay, well, first paragraph, this is not factually correct. Right. You know, and then the rest of the article is just based on this incorrect information. Yeah. So, and I'm um, not asking everyone to spend their time to go out there and defud everything. It's such a fine line to know when it's worth your time to try to clear something up for someone who, who actually cares to have it cleared up versus someone who just wants to throw some poop around. Yeah, I mean, I had to answer that same question for my two kids. They play EOS Knights. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't work. You know, I mean, here we go. This is, we're talking about EOS Knights. I got it on my phone. And I, I get a little crap from my team sometimes. They're like, oh, yeah, you're playing EOS Knights again, you know? <laughs> but I do it on purpose because I want to actually know, right. you know what's the usability experience with it. So I'm doing a rebirth right now. And you get, you know, you went over to meet one to sign the transaction. It's going back 500 milliseconds. Pretty badass. But at the, yeah, baby. <laughs> and at the same time, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a legit question in that, like, hey, what are the expectations? Are we doing a good enough job? That's right. feedback to us as the community. Like you said, education. Yep. We got to let people know, hey, here's how much this would cost on a normal blockchain. Here's how much it would cost on a, you know, a centralized system right. that, by the way, they're harvesting your data and you are the product. Right. You know, and so I think it's just a matter of education. And, and so what I did with my kids, I'm like, oh, okay, and I just staked them more tokens. And yep. it was just a... a 30 second fix. It was super easy to do. Just stake more tokens. Yeah. Play away. And, and no tell problem. them about things like CPU emergency. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Where, where you send a message to someone and they give you some free CPU in the next five minutes. So. Yeah. And so back onto those two types of FUD, you have the misinformed, legitimately misinformed ignorance, and you can just enlighten those people. Or you have the malicious, intentional misinformation, FUD spreading. And the way I have developed a simple test for this, all you have to do is ask them what coins they're holding. And that might just shed some light on why they're bashing EOS so much. Perhaps, I'm not saying for sure, perhaps they may hold a coin that EOS threatens. Right, sure, sure. Or, or they hold a coin that you can't do much with. Like, yeah, or just a shit know, coin. Yeah, like Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't going to say a shit coin. Okay. But, or, 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 you know, we have a different user environment. It's a very different user environment when you become an EOS user and community member. And people 
people don't know what it means to sign non uh, coin movement transactions. Right. They don't know. They have no clue. And they don't realize that you can pile multiple, uh, multiple actions into a single transaction and, and, and just what this means for the user. And so they could use up a lot more of their CPU than they actually think they could. And, and they're used to paying anywhere between two cents to a hundred dollars for a transaction so that they just don't have a clue about this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the best way is to try EOS. If you haven't tried it, give it a shot because when you use it, it's freaking unbelievable. It's like real-time transactions. And Crypto News, he said that it's basically like he felt it was the Netscape moment of crypto. Mm. And I really feel that that's true because it's, it bring, it's bringing blockchain and the ability to use EOS and crypto to the masses. And it just feels like you're not using crypto. It's very fast and smooth. Yep. Try it. You got to try it before you knock it. Well, hopefully. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to go around and be angry all the time. But, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave, uh, I'll wind, start winding down with this. This is my fourth year in a row at Anarchapoco, and I've been very fortunate to have spoken, uh, given presentations at three out of those four. And what I've noticed is there is a trend happening right now in specifically this community of rather than fighting existing power structures, it is building our own communities and competing against the existing centralized power structures. And with the way that EOS fundamentally was designed, I think that it gives us the best opportunity to do that and organize ourselves and reach consensus and send our messages and transactions and protect our money than any other blockchain in existence. People have no clue that there's already a dozen EOS IO chains spun up and how easy it is for even the same block producer to support multiple chains. Think about how much slower, iteratively speaking, it is to spin up a new Ethereum chain and have all that proof of work to keep it secure. And so we are iterating at the speed of the internet finally, where these other chains are iterating at the speed of the physical world, even though while living in the digital world. But this is, this is a theme that I've seen growingly so over the past couple of years, and it really pleases me. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, that's what brought me here. I think EOS is the first thing I've seen. It's the best tool I've come across to make it possible to build a, uh, I guess, a more moral and prosperous world for everybody. No doubt. Well, Amen. yeah, Amen. no doubt. Uh, well, fellas, I really appreciate you coming on EOS Radio. As always, we're sponsored by the Freedom Proxy, the most free market proxy in EOS, I'm taking nothing away from Luke Stokes. He's, he's amazing <laughs> as well. Here, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Colin's got a proxy these days, the too. crypto proxy. We got yeah, the that's, Luke that's right. proxy. Yeah, we're, shout we're, outs. We're, we're, it's, it's our show, so I'm but saying. It's freedom proxy. I'm, moment, I'm saying we're, 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 the, we're the freest. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, no. It's been yeah, such. Don't a, forget to vote for EOS Nation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anybody else need to shoot? I got a bag of waves I need you to buy here. <laughs> I got some dice I need the price to go up on. Uh, he's got some t-shirts. Yeah, I know. Hey, we sell our votes for t-shirts here. Uh, I don't even have an EOS Nation t-shirt. We'll hook you up. We, we brought some. We'll get right. you. We'll I was going to say one. otherwise. I need the shirt off your back there, Dang. All right, it's oh, yours, man. What kind of friend is that, right? All right. Well, uh, ch check out Colin's uh, – what, what's the actual name of your proxy, Colin? 
Oh, so the actual name, yeah, Colin Talks Crypto Proxy, and the EOS account is Colin T Crypto. Awesome, Colin T Crypto. Luke Stokes EOS. Yeah, it's Luke EOS Proxy. Luke, yeah. Luke EOS Proxy. And uh, my chill is EOS DAX. Check us out. No, no doubt. Uh, we just recently did a show on DAX. Uh, I think it may have, may have been EOS number nine or number eight. So take a look. This is EOS number 10. Wow. We're in wow. double digits. Yeah. We're in double digits That's now. That's a milestone. Right? We, we try to do them every week. And look, we squeeze one in here. Anarchapoco 2019. Uh, I'm Ash Oro. I'm Zane Wagner. Yeah. Until next time, hope everybody listening builds freedom. Go out there and build your freedom however you can. Till next time, signing out. Peace.